you know a spot. But not just a spot. The spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is Cut To It with Steve Smith Sr., a production of The Black Effect and iHeartRadio. I'm Steve Smith Sr., and I'm Gerard Littlejohn. And this is Cut To It. Cut to it, cut to it, let's get down to it, cut to it. We ask the questions you always want to know, but no one ever asks. Let's cut to it. If you ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. It's on. Yeah, I'm ready. It's going to be hard for you to talk with Mike all the way over on the other side of the table. <laughs> What's going on, man? How you feeling? How you feeling? I'm good. Good, 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 man. Back to it. Cut to it podcast. Agent 89, Smitty, my brother. You feeling good? I think so. You think so? Yeah. What's I got to ch- <laughs> check my box I check once a year, and I'll let you know. What's that box? My care box. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> however you got to check it, however you got to get that off your list, let's do it, man. But, man, let's dive right into it. Um, man, I'm excited. There's a lot of reasons. I know that you want to start this podcast, and yep. we started this podcast together. And one of them that I think is really cool is that you've always had this passion, and when you and when you talked to me and when you gave me your vision, the vision was you wanted to let athletes and entertainers tell their own narratives and tell their own truths. So, man, I'm, why is that important to you? Why is that important to you? When you look at, a, when you look at an article, um, say, let's just say a beat writer, mm-hmm. and I think it's, I think it's 50-50. Um, when you look at a beat writer, you'll say that beat writer represents, um, you know, he's the middle man or middle woman from that player or that team that mm-hmm. they have been assigned to and to the fan to the public yep to the public or foe you know not all fans you know there there's some people that like a team but don't like an individual yeah that's why i just say the public wherever you stand and there'll be times where the person who's writing an article they only really see that individual from open locker room 
And in that open locker room, you see that individual and you get whatever that individual is that day. Mm-hmm. And so they report that. Not all and every beat writer is friends. And they also, the athlete only gives that beat writer what they want mm-hmm. that beat writer to see. Mm-hmm. So sometimes the the beat writer or the, the person who writes the article I don't want to say misrepresents, but I don't think it is as clear the relationship that the athlete and the and, and the journalist have. Mm-hmm. There's some journalists, man, I have great relationships yeah. with. Yeah, I was going to say, or lack thereof. Or lack yeah, thereof. Yeah. And it's not because I dislike them. It's just... You don't have man, a rapport with them. I, I, I met them. They wrote an article. Yeah. They asked me a question about somebody, and then they move on, mm-hmm. or we move on and go our separate ways, but yeah. yet... That doesn't mean that I have a good sense of that individual, just like I don't believe they have a good sense of me. And, and the reason I say that is I'm a people watcher, and I and I watch people, and I, I that you know, you do. That you and do. I watch body language, and I cannot get a sense of an individual. I don't think it's fair for me to say, well, I got a sense of an individual. I asked them ten questions, and I got ten short answers, and I, I know that person's. I know what they're thinking. I know who they are as a as a man or a woman. I know their makeup. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that's accurate. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes people are writing articles or journalists are writing articles with a little bit of uh, with a little bit of uh, uh, of authenticity or credibility that well, I'm writing this article about Exhibit A. And I've been around him well enough, I know exactly what he's thinking. And I don't think that's a fair statement. I don't think that's even accurate. But they they don't present it that way, but they sure write articles as if they know exactly what's going on in that person. Hell, sometimes I don't even know what's going on in myself. Mm. So I don't know how an individual knows exactly. I, I mean, I, it, I I just think it's I think it's an unfair um, unfair stigma that some journalists have. As as an athlete, yeah, how does how does that make you feel? Yeah, sometimes it's sometimes I just kind of like whatever to, to be misrepresented. I think it. I think when you first do it, you get irritated. I think over time, you just it's just kind of part of it. Yeah, and I and I, I think that's sad that someone can write an article without you know not knowing the person or having that much understanding of that individual, but yet writing an in-depth article about someone. Mm-hmm. And somebody, somebody's listening and say, well, that's not fair. Listen, I'm not saying it's fair. Mm-hmm. I just think it's interesting that a person can write an article, in-depth article about someone, and they met them for five minutes or ten minutes out the day, and then they watch film with a lot of times no audio, Mm-hmm. And they go, you know what? This is how this person is. This is their favorite color. Yeah. This is what they like. Blah 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 blah. I just, I've, I, I don't, I don't think it's. I just, I, I just think it's interesting. Yeah. Unique. Yeah. Misleading. Yeah. And I, and I, I know that's also a reason why you decided creating this platform. Yeah. Us having this 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 podcast to not ask those kind of gotcha questions to get an athlete in that kind of situation the clickbait for sure one thing 
I love is that we get behind or inside of the jersey of yep. an individual. And for you, uh, I, I want to take a little time. I, I know you well beyond your jersey, well, well beyond, you know, age and 89 and who you were on the field. I want to make sure our listeners get the same thing just in this short time of podcasting. We, we were literally just talking about it. You know, we fancy now, so we have pre-production meetings and, yeah. and we get a chance to, you know, we got this, we got to deal with our heart. So uh, we have things structured in a way, but we were just talking about how social media this day is quick to hyper sensationalize a lot of stuff, anything. You know, you, you quickly oh, realize how narratives flip, they well, change, they're stretched. It's, it's very hard to write an article with 140 characters. Ooh. But yet they do it all the time. Mm-hmm. They get credit. Shorten you to, to that. Whatever you say gets shortened to just 140 characters. 140 and you characters. wonder why the context gets missed. Yeah. Or, or, or you wonder why that athlete doesn't want to talk to those individuals. Right. Because now we're breaking news on social media. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, my cousin Pookie heard mm-hmm. that Leroy told James yeah. that such and such isn't on the team anymore. Right. And we break that news. Right. Right. And that now that person is called an insider, and right. they have a source, even though their source is a cousin who knows someone who worked at the stadium, who does, who works at the uh, parking lot daily. Right, <laughs> right. So because of those, you know, different narratives, yep. I know different narratives have have lately come up. Uh, a, a lot of stories from your time playing in Carolina yeah. uh, with Cam Newton. Things have resurfaced. What would you like to clear up on the relationship with with Cam? I don't think it's anything to clear up because I don't really believe there's a negative relationship. Mm-hmm. I just think that the relationship is what it is, which, I mean, it's, it's it's not a deep relationship. I think it's a very shallow relationship that has nothing to do with necessarily Cam did something wrong or right or me did something wrong. I think it's just kind of both of our makeups. We're mm-hmm. both Taurus, mm-hmm. so we're very stubborn. Mm. Um, I and wish then I knew the makeups of my horoscope. Right, I don't know any of that stuff. Right, and then the other part is, um, right. I just, I, I guess the pros and cons of being a teammate of Steve Smith is this: um, the pros is I'm gonna work my butt off every single day. The con is, man, I wear my emotions on my sleeve and on the practice field. So if we had a bad week that week. Or we didn't perform well. I'm on everybody. I'm, I'm expecting everybody to practice as hard as me. And if we don't, it's going to be a problem, yeah. right? That isn't that. And I said that's a negative. Is it's not? I, I, I said, why do you think that's a negative? Well, I think it's a negative because not everybody. I mean, I got four kids, and not not all my four kids have the same work ethic as each other. They all vary, mm-hmm. and it all depends on how are they motivated. So at times, I rubbed, I I, I brushed up against teammates the wrong way, and. And there's some teammates brushed up against me the wrong way. I, that that's just that's called a that's called a job, right? Do, do you do you think that that wears on on players or people oh, around th- you? Oh yeah, definitely. Why? I, I because it's not every not everybody wants to be on Steve's page. Hmm. Steve don't want to be on everybody's page either. It all varies. Mm-hmm. What what do you what do you think are the the pros and cons of being a teammate of Steve Smith? Um, I always I've always been a let's do the bad news first, then good news. Yes, yes, you are. Yes. <laughs> so the bad news is, um, man, I'm you know, uh, I think the biggest. I'm not. Pr- I I look for I look ahead way too much. I I don't. 
live in the present. I don't work in the present. Um, and what I mean by that is, great example, I can catch 10 passes, have X amount of yards, and I'll be stuck on the two passes I dropped. Yeah. Like, I mean, just just upset at myself for is, those. Is that a way to trick your mind into not selling on what you achieve yeah, and always yeah, thinking yeah. of what you can improve? Because yes. I'm, of course, I did not play. I'm not a Hall of Fame yeah. uh, receiver like you are, but I know that I do the same exact thing in my day-to-day life. Like, I can't settle on what I've accomplished. I'm always thinking of what's next. What do I need to improve nah, on? I, it's my I, way of, of staying humble, I, I guess. I go even deeper. Yeah. I'm never satisfied and mm-hmm. always, always pissed off. Yeah. Right? Every single day when I used to come to work. Always thinking ahead. Mm-hmm. All Thinking ahead to the point of where, bro, we just won the game, so yeah. we could have played better. Mm-hmm. That, that's how I've always been. And, and even, you know, it, my, it, even when I was a little kid, mm. you know, and I don't necessarily know why, but that's just, that's just kind of how I've always been. Yeah. What's your relationship with former guys, teammates? Former that teammates? With? Man. I'm probably one of the. It's I'm probably one of the, one of the guys. I mean, you got to think about it, over 16 years, 53 teammates, right? I don't even know that number, but that's a lot of help teammates. I don't have all those people on my phone. Mm. You don't agree with everyone, you know. Some people like ranch. Some people like blue cheese, <laughs> right? There, yeah, there's there's cheese. things about teammates that I didn't like, and I know there's things about myself towards my former teammates that that didn't they didn't like. Mm. So. You know, I, there's guys I t- I've talked to that either, you know, various times we've changed numbers. I've mm-hmm. changed numbers where it's, it's reasons why and it isn't. I dislike someone and someone mm-hmm. dislikes me. Some, sometimes it's just the lack of connection. You know, I, I'm I'm bad at following through and follow up. I mean, I, I'll text a guy. Great example, I had a, I had, um, I played with a guy named Wallace Wright for, for two years. Okay. I had a buddy over at the house who was roommates with Wallace in college. I haven't talked to Wallace in seven and a half, eight years, bro. Mm. Just connected uh, probably two weeks ago. Mm. Just by accident because uh, his boy Mike, who's a friend of mine, and our wives are friends, mm-hmm. and that's how we connected. Wow. Like So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm bad at it. Then there's guys that, you know, I play in the Baltimore with. That I still talk to, mm-hmm. but then I don't really talk to them. Got their number in my phone. I don't literally talk to them until yeah. I travel yeah. and see them. And, you know, it's, it's not the ebb that. and flow of relationships, yes. right? Like yes. it's, it's people that you, with, yeah. with, I think that's with anybody, right? Yeah. Like there's people who but you the, are, who's in your circle, right? Even yeah. if your circle is a dot, but they're yeah. in your circle. Because <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm, I'm on it right now. Like, man, my circle is a dot right now. You in my dot, brother. Yeah. But um, Appreciate that. But, <laughs> I'm glad I I gotta get your confidence. Yeah. But um but definitely I think that's just the ebb and flow of relationship, yeah. right? Is that you got people that you're close with and then you got people who maybe you don't have um day to day contact, but when you catch up it's like yesterday. Yeah. yeah. But the other thing too is um man, I've always been a loner though. So it's yeah. not all it's not even one of those like even guys that I text, man, mm-hmm. like I'm really cool with Stewie. Me and Stewie actually have the Jonathan Stewart. Yeah. Jonathan Stewart. Me and Jonathan Stewart actually have the same financial guy. Mm-hmm. Bro, me and Stewie have the same financial guy. In, in, in this whole pandemic, 
we've texted probably five times. Really? Yes. Oh. And we have the same finance. We're in <laughs> same investments. Like, yeah. I, and the only reason I, I think I text him one time is like, dang, I ain't reached out to Stewie, <laughs> right? I, I mean, Shout real talk, it, yeah. it is how crazy it is. I'm a landlord mm-hmm. of a Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Me and Stewie are the landlords mm-hmm. of this Starbucks. Mm-hmm. We rarely talk. <laughs> as, the, as the two landlords. As the two landlords. I own 61%. Mm-hmm. We rarely talk. I'll text him, hey, we got to do the taxes. Mm-hmm. He like, cool. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It sounds crazy. Mm-hmm. Me and, you know, but that's just kind of. That's the basis. Yeah. But I don't sit there and go, and man, and Stewie hadn't way. talked yeah. to me. Right. But then we'll go play golf with each other like last summer. Man, we need to do this more often. Right. Yep, yep. Right. We're going to Angola. Yeah. yeah. Man, we need to do this again. Yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> right, right, right. So so switching gears a little yeah. bit, I know we, we talked about really utilizing this time yeah. for your truth and to really a- a- allow you, like, like I alluded to before, of now it's your turn. It's getting inside the jersey, being able to really – for our listeners to glean a better understanding of you. So I'm going to cut straight to it with this question. Ultimately, why were you released from the Panthers, and would you give me the truth on that since a lot of these narratives are starting to come back up? I mean, the narratives come back up. Here's what happened. I Mm -hmm. I went on a co-worker's um, podcast, and he asked me some questions. Mm -hmm. And I basically – I really tried not to, as an analyst, talk about former teammates. Why is that? Just because, man, I just when I watched ball, when I was at when I was in the cafeteria and I was in the locker room, I hated watching guys throw on the other guys, especially former teammates. Man, if you if you if you're a quarterback making whatever you're doing, especially as a wide receiver, man, I'm a, I'm a, I'm I'm just gonna tell the truth. Like if you ain't a very good quarterback. You're making X amount of dollars because the quarterbacks get all the glory, and they get to place all the blame, <laughs> right? And so I, I've always thought I've always seen that, like you know, watching a guy throw throw, watching a receiver get thrown into a slant for a headache, he dropped the ball and say, "Oh, he got he got to catch that." Man, that <laughs> quarterback should have read gonna, that defense right. and know he should have let that, that receiver slant. get his clock Insta- clean. Yeah, instead of putting him in concussion protocol. <laughs> But um, so I was on the, you know, on, on this podcast and he asked me some questions about Cam and said, you know, Cam the best. I'm trying to figure out Cam was here. I was in, I was I played with Cam three years um, when I was three years. So Cam has been here it was uh, with the Carolina Panthers eight to nine years. Mm-hmm. However, when something comes up, everybody comes to Steve as if like I'm the Cam whisperer. Yeah. Right there. Oh, let's ask Steve. Like I got a request through the Toronto radio station. Hey, we want to ask you about Cam yeah. Newton going to the New England Patriots, or we want to ask you Cam Newton about being released from the Panthers. I wasn't in that locker room. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And if I do know, I'm not telling. Yeah. Because here's what I don't do. I don't believe when I've been around teammates over 16 years. 53 men every year. You see and know things about guys, their their attributes, and then also some things they do that you go, oh, I don't agree with that. I don't talk about that. 
And I also expect them not to talk about my stuff. Mm-hmm. So I try very, uh, I'm very diligent in making sure, here's the fact. One time I had to talk about Luke Keekley, um, because he did something for the network. I text Luke Keekley and asked him, was it cool that I talk about him in this manner? Mm-hmm. And I told my producers, hey, let me check with Luke first. And when Luke got back to me, he said, man, yeah, you cool with that. I'm cool with that. And that's when I said something. I try not to talk about anybody, especially former teammates, good, bad, without talking about, talking to them directly. And so I don't, I didn't text Cam. So I try not to really say anything other than letting his play speak Mm -hmm. for himself, which is the dude is balling. Yeah. Right. But people have believed that I dislike Cam, that I hate Cam. I don't hate Cam. He's pro- he is one of the most athletic quarterbacks I have ever played with. He's a quarterback that we had some good times and we had some bad times, meaning when you're losing, that's bad times, mm-hmm. right? I've never see- heard somebody say, man, that was the best ass whooping we ever received. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I – I had a great our my relationship with Cam could be a lot better, but I just don't really reach out, mm. and maybe because I'm just a weirdo like that. But I don't reach out to D'Angelo Williams. Mm-hmm. I don't reach out. I mean, there's a number of guys that I play with. the The teammate that I talk to the most out of all my years of playing in the National Football League, there's one guy. Jordan Gross. Yeah. I played in college with Jordan yep. Gross. Yep. And even in that, we made texts once a month. So you're, you're, you're saying you're just not always the guy who's just always, let me check in, let me check in. And not that that's I, a bad thing. That and and, and, yeah, and, I, and yeah. I get that, right? And well, I think probably all of us can, can say that, that we probably do that to a point where it's like, man, I should have. Yeah, I should call my mom, right? Could yeah. I could have talked to my Thanks dad? For like, a in, reminder. In, I'm telling you, right? Like, I'm guilty as charged. We have to take a break, and more than anything, we gotta pay some bills. Mm-hmm. You got check. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. For some reason, why do you think that your name always gets attached to... Because to I think because of, you know, obviously I'm still in TV. I mm-hmm. think people try to utilize my bluntness as a, a weapon against me. And then also, too, it's called a uh, well, self-inflicted wound. Okay. Right. And so you want to go down a chronological order. I, here's what happened. I okay. really believe on my exit. So let's just start all over. Let's start from the beginning. Give me the truth. Give me your truth. My truth. Your truth. We started 0-2. Well, actually, we started 0-1, then 0-2. This the 13th season? Yes. 13. Okay. So we, you know what, y'all played the 49ers in the playoffs? Same yes. Yep. Yeah. Got, yep. Uh, and I had a busted up knee at that. Mm-hmm. So, we start 0-4. We start 0-4. And, and, well, leading up to it, into that season, um, Dave Gettleman is the general manager. I get a text on a, on, a, on a husband and wife trip. Me and my wife were in New York. And the, Dave Gettleman is hired as a new general manager. Mm-hmm. I get a text from him. From a, I get a call from a New York number. I don't answer. I don't answer no numbers that I don't know. So then he and then he texts me, "Hey, this is Dave Gellerman, you know, love to meet you." I said, "Well, I'm on vacation with the with my with my wife in New York, so um, I hit you back when I get back in town." <laughs> yeah. And the several players had went up, introduced themselves. I probably went up there. I was back probably four four days later. I probably didn't go up there until probably like two weeks later. Mm-hmm. I know that probably didn't uh, <laughs> vote well with him. Then he didn't like that, but. I'm just being myself. So that was you being you. That's that what was just me. About I'm, so. I, I'm not gonna go in there brown nosing. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna go up there. Hey, you're not. You're, hey, not, I, I, you're not I, going up there tap dancing. Yeah, yeah. no, nah, I, I went up there, um, like the little cocky uh, midget I am. I went up there and was like, hit him with the head, Bob. Mm-hmm. What up? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, let's talk. So we talked, and he he he. He basically gave me some things that he expected out of me. I said, all right, cool. And then he gave me a book. And I actually read the book. He told me, man, I want you to read this book. It's called Halftime. Okay. And so it's basically, and the guy who wrote Halftime actually lives here in Charlotte. So it was really cool. Um, so he told me to read this book. And so I kind of, I, I caught what he was. Yeah, what was the book about? The book was about how do you want the end of your, basically the end of your career to be. So he was, I caught what I caught what he was putting down. Yeah. Basically saying, look, tighten up. Right? And so I was like, all right. So I read the book, and it was actually a really, really good book. And the book started off basically saying this guy who was, I believe it was in Texas, he was a really f- financially well-off guy. His son fell off, I think, off in a boat or a wave runner or something. And this guy used all his money and his resources to save his son, but it didn't save him. And so he utilized the last, the back half of his life really to kind of make a difference. Mm -hmm. And so it was a really good book. 
And I only read half of it because I'm a guy who reads a book and I'll take notes to the point of where I, I get it and then I'll come back to it. So when he gave me that book, I I was he laid down some stuff. I picked it up and was like, oh, I see what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, you know, passive aggressive, I'll take it, you know. <laughs> you took it as a shot fired. No, I just took it for what it was. Okay. He was basically trying to tell me yeah. something. So And he said some other things that I'm not going to say. Mm-hmm. And I was like, cool. So we go through the season. And he tell me some things I, he wanted me to work on. So I was like, all right, I'll see what I can do. Mm-hmm. So we go through the season. We start 0-4. We start 0-4, I'm 30, whatever, 30. 1-3. Y'all, y'all want to get the Giants. I just looked it up. One okay. 1-3. No, still. we beat the Giants, but we were Yeah, o- you beat the Giants. That's, yeah. your, that's your one. So Yeah. 0-2, yeah. then you lost to the Giants, then you lost at the Cardinals. Yeah. So we weren't looking good. And so what happened? So I tell my agent, I'm like, man, I'm done with this, dog. Mm-hmm. I want out. So my agent actually, a team on the East Coast, Talked to several teams, but there was a team, a specific team that I'm not going to name, that was right there in the midst and said, look, if Steve won out, we'd love to have him. Mm. So I was with Under Armour at the time, mm-hmm. and I go to Under Armour, and I tell them, man, this is the team I'm going with. Flip my flip my color scheme for my shoes. Get ready. Mm-hmm. We out. Now, is this this during the season? This is during the season. Okay. This is one make sure we give context yeah. to the listen. This is so during, during the, the season, season. I said I'm out. Yeah. So Dave goes to Mr. Richardson and says, Steve wants out, blah, blah, blah. They said, man, let him out. I'm tired of this. Let him go. So I was like, all right, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Well, they go and talk to a team, not the team that we already had worked a deal with behind closed doors. Yeah. They give me permission to talk to the San Francisco 49ers. Wow. So I talked to the GM. Of the 49ers? Eight, of the 49ers. At the time was Trent Balky or Balky. And so Dave Gellman says, hey, we, we got you a trade. We give you permission to talk to the 49ers. And when we talk to the 49ers, um, you know, here's what you want. Now, the other team that, we were, that I won't name mm-hmm. didn't really go into it because that team was only offering so much and the 49ers offered more. Mm-hmm. When I talked to Trent, Trent says, so I hear um, – you know, he was like, hey, we want you to – We, you are missing peace to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. At the time, my my wife was pregnant with Deuce. This is October. This is like early, Oct- early October, yeah. end of September. Only had a couple of weeks to make the decision. My wife's pregnant, and I didn't feel like going all the way to San Francisco. And then, I, and if I'm be honest, I didn't want to go to San Francisco. I didn't. Wow. Because San Francisco wanted me to void out my contract. And there was a specific number. I had built my – basically, I built my whole portfolio mm-hmm. um, on my guaranteed money. And I was guaranteed like $5.5 million or so. Okay. And so I wasn't going to – so they said, hey, he goes, uh, we want you to void out your contract. I said, I'm not voiding that out. They said, well, you, you're happy to be – so you telling me that you want to stay a Carolina Panther? I said, no, I'm not voiding out my contract. <laughs> He goes, so you're telling me, and this is how it went. He said, yeah. so you're telling me you're happy to remain a Carolina Panther. I mm-hmm. said, I'm not voiding out my contract. Yeah, I'm, I'm sticking to my guns on this. I'm this not is what give, I want. I'm yeah. not giving up because when I signed that, that I signed that deal. That was I felt that was my last deal. And that's how you feed your family. Like you yeah. said, you had based you had based your finances around what you were owed. Yes. Yeah. I, I hey, it's like look, mm-hmm. I knew I was getting five million dollars 
for my tax return. So right. I started shopping based on my tax returns, gotcha. right? Gotcha. We all do it. Gotcha. And so I didn't go. And so Dave said, don't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. So I didn't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. Didn't tell a soul. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I told my wife. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't go through. So I stayed. So you're playing through the 2013 season. So I'm playing through the 2013 season. My agent goes to – actually, I was going my normal President Day weekend. I go to Utah to ski. And so I'm on the slopes, like I'm usually on the slopes. And guess what happens? Dave Gettleman talks about me, Steve Smith Sr., and Jordan Gross in the past at the Combine. So in the 2013, in going the, into 14, he's yes. at the Combine and then makes comments about – You know, he yeah. says that Steve is in – you know, he talks and the, the media picks it up and people mm-hmm. are calling me. And I'm on the slope, so I have no idea. So yeah. I get off and I'm like, what? Yeah. Well, immediately, some teams are calling like, yo, we'll take you. And there's another team on the West Coast mm-hmm. um, that used to be, that's now in L.A., but ain't in L.A. no more. Okay. They, but they were about two-and-a-half-hour drive okay. from L.A. We'll, we'll use our deductive got a, reasoning. Got a bolt yeah, on yeah. their helmet. Right. And, again, I didn't want to go to San Diego. Mm-hmm. I just said San Diego, didn't I? I didn't want to go to San Diego because yeah. um, all my family's from there. And I just, I just felt like it would be hard to concentrate. Yeah, close right? to home. You and LA also, guy. too, yeah. I didn't believe that they can beat Denver Broncos, who had Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, nah. And you're in that division. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and so I'm like, nah, I'm straight. And so now I'm going through that whole process. So when I go through this whole process, Dave is like, you know, I'm texting and like, what's up? So I text a few people on the team that, you know, were talking to me about, like, bro, I don't know what happened, what's going on in management. And they're like, this is a shock to us as well. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> when I get on the phone with Dave, he comes back from the combine, this is what Dave says. And this is how I knew it was personal. He goes, well, I want you to think about your legacy. I said, I already have. He said, well, good. I'm going to go home. When I get back, let's talk. So several days, about three days go by, and I and I call him. It's like, yo, you know, we going to meet. He's busy. I go mm-hmm. up to the facility, and he says, I call up there, and I say, hey, you know, um, his secretary, I said, can I speak, can you uh, t- tell Dave I'm in a building? His reply was, I'm in a meeting. I can't talk right now. I'm preparing for the draft. Wow. I said, all right, cool. So I'm like, all right. Hmm. Right on the wall. So I text Ricky Pro. Yo, tell Dave quit dodging me. So mm-hmm. then I so the next day, two days ago, two days after that, mm-hmm. I go up to the facility and I get a workout in. Okay. When I do the workout, they know I'm in a building. Generally when you walk in a building, people know and they tell them. So uh, Ricky comes down. They say, "Hey, Smitty's Steve, in the Steve's here. Steve's here." Yeah. So I text Ricky, and Ricky like, what? and Ricky's like, "What's up, man?" I was like, "Hey, man, tell Davey over there, um, bullshit, man. He dodging me. Yeah. What up?" And so um, then they, then somebody else comes down. Uh, Porter, Brian Porter, um, and I've known Porter for a long time. Uh, worked his way through the organization. Great dude. Um, he goes, "Man, Dave said, you know, when you finish, go talk to, go talk to." Talk to me. I said, all right. So just to let you know how my mind was, um, 
just kind of how I was, where I went and I basically didn't even finish. I didn't even shower. I went up there, stank booty and all. I went up there and was like, "You wanted that action, boss?" Man, I had on my I had my hood on and a hat. I walked in there and I sat right on his leather chair with a sweat <laughs> and everything. Sweat, just ugh. dirty, dirty ass. Yep, just <laughs> just, just straight disrespectful. And I right. sat there and I was hunched up in the chair, like whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So we finally talk, and he starts to talk. He's like, yo, this is what we're going to do. I'm like, all right. He said, listen, I don't know what's going on, but, and this is his words. He said, man, you're a shadow of what you used to be. He said that to you? He said, and I said, all right. And he said, you know, I don't know what's going on. Uh, If you jealous of Cam or Cam jealous of you, but, um, man, we just, this ain't going to work. He said, I gave you some things to work on. And this is when the conversation turned. This is where I knew things were different. He goes, um, I knew, he goes, uh, you know, I gave you some things to work on and you didn't, you didn't do any of them. I said, well, what things did I, what things didn't I work on? His reply was, I'm not getting into that right now. And how do you know that you didn't do do it? So I said, you're not getting into it right now. In my mind, I said, you're not getting into it right now. So you already made your mind up. Mm. Okay. Right. So after that. He asked, we talked, he asked me a few more questions, and I said, so, you know, my wife is pregnant. Um, he said, we're going to trade you. I said, all right, cool. Mm-hmm. So my son, Peyton, my oldest, uh, who really good soccer player, we were on soccer trips. Uh, he was still playing AAU. If you any parents out there that know, man, AAU soccer, travel soccer is a beast. And the AAU ground is a yeah. beast overall. So we, we're yep. in, I remember we were in Bethesda, Maryland, um, and we was out there, and I was talking to my agent, Derek Fox, and um, there was a few teams out there that were interested, but what did they want me to do? Void on my contract. So same thing that what's happened in the 2013 season when you were saying that yeah, you had so discussions. Because I was a 30-something-year-old, 30, 30, 35-year-old yeah. man with a $5.5 million guaranteed contract. Mm-hmm. And everybody wanted me to void it out. Nope, I'm mm-hmm. not voiding it out. Mm-hmm. I know I know finances. I know how it go, works. Yeah. Somebody going to take this money. I don't know who, but somebody yeah. going to, you know. So I was basically, I was probably one of the last players to do it. I double dipped. So Carolina still owed me money. Mm-hmm. And who my new team was going to owe me they were gonna, Yeah, yeah. So I was, you know, I was <clears> double dipping. That's how I kind of said it. So I was just kind of sitting back like, nah. So y'all can trade all you want. Somebody gonna pay me yeah. this money. Yeah. So, you know, and then so what here's where it all started went downhill. Where it went downhill is basically free agency starts, Revis goes to New England, Golden Tate goes, leaves Seattle, and he goes to uh Detroit. And I'm like one of the last guys, air quotes, lingering in. Is he going to be released? They tell me they're not releasing me till June 1st. Okay. So basically they hold this is roughly when then? This was, bro, March. March, okay. Free agency started, Mm -hmm. and I'm a week and a half in free agency. Gotcha. Gotcha. So this is right during the start of free agency. They're trying to trade me, but no team is willing to trade Mm -hmm. because of my financial responsibility. Because of the financial responsibility. And he says, we're going to designate you June 1st. So basically my agent goes ballistic because Mm -hmm. now you're holding me hostage. Yeah. 
you are now saying all these other teams are negotiating, right? But we not we basically you undermine now. Yeah. If I stop right there, they say, "Oh, Steve, how is this possible?" He did the same thing to Josh Norman. Norman. Yep. Right. Right. And and so it became this thing where it was basically it was a pissing contest between mm-hmm. me and Dave. Mm-hmm. And here's the unfortunate part: Cam was called in the middle. Yeah. And the part of why Cam was called in the middle is because Cam didn't do anything. Right. I don't. I don't hate Cam. I love the dude. He's a fantastic player. Mm-hmm. Now I probably I'll say it now I probably need to apologize because I was probably a dick, but I mean that's just that's who I was, you know. I expected excellence and I wanted to practice hard. And, and, and where we you were, were in we your career. Winning. And where you were in your career. Yeah, yeah. where we were. Yeah. I was. I. I. You go back and listen to my stuff, man. You just I, said you're I, older. I felt like yeah. I was a. I was not to sound sexist, but I was a 30, 33 year old woman who wanted to. Pregnancy in the ring now, <laughs> right? I want a Super Bowl now. Yeah, yeah. Well, Steve, it's just championship. So yeah, it's just yeah, preseason. Yeah, so what? Yeah. Right. And so I was always tight. I was always. Um, you 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 knew where you were yes. in your walk yes. in your career, and I didn't have a lot of time. You didn't have a lot of time, and and I and personally, yeah. I didn't want to continue to keep playing. Actually, so what's was, funny? Uh, what uh, is interesting? If I would have stayed in Carolina. I would have probably retired after that year. I was, I was going. No matter what, yeah. I would have retired. Yeah. Even when I was going through that process for the trade, I looked at my contract to see. So retirement crossed your mind reti- in, that, in, that, in that whole process. Oh, yeah. And so from there, it was just like, so when I say, when I say, when I walked out of there, so when, when I left get Dave's office from that meeting, when he said, he said, you know, we're going to try to trade you. He was like, and I said, so what happens if you can't trade me? Mm-hmm. He goes, well, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I turned behind myself and I looked. He said, what you looking at? I said, well, I said, that bridge is already crossed. Yeah. I said, I'm on the other side of the road. And what other options are out here right now? And so he, I think a little bit of he thought, I said, out of respect, I just want to know sooner or later because my wife is pregnant. We want to be able to deal with the doctors and all that stuff. He was like, yeah, I understand. He didn't care. Mm. And guess what? I didn't care either. Mm-hmm. So now for me, it was personal. It was it was bull versus bull mm-hmm. or mule versus mule. Right? And so I just that's how I was. And so, you know, to the point of where, shoot, when Jordan retired and we went to his uh I went to his retirement thing, mm-hmm. um, I didn't even speak to him. Wow. I didn't. I didn't speak to Dave. Dave didn't speak to me. I didn't speak to Ron. Ron didn't speak to me. And then you know, so I had some conversations with some folks. And this is discovery. A couple of years when I first got into TV, I talked. I met with some folks in uh, in the management up at uh, Carolina. I said, "Listen, I got to do my job. I want to be professional. Mm-hmm. But man, we're gonna have to work some stuff out. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say who the individuals I talked to, but the, basically, this is what those individuals told me. And this is how I know it's personal." And people can believe it or what they what they want, but I like to look. I like to talk to people face to face. And this individual that I spoke to said, "Look, I was told stay out of the way. I was told by Dave to stay out of the way, and it's it was you and him." I said, "Cool, I appreciate your honesty for the first time." He said, wow. "Well, that individual said, well, listen." You know, we all got a job. We all got to feed our families. But at the end of the day, that's what it was. I said, all right, I respect that. 
and we left it at that, bro. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not speaking like people are like, well, why are you come out now? The reason I'm talking about it now is, one, I don't like the fact that everybody is saying that, you know, says that I was let go to let Cam grow. I was let go because I didn't really care about what the rules of the Carolina Panthers were because the person who was setting the rules was Dave Gellerman. I respect him as a man because God calls me to because mm. he's my elder. But I didn't respect how he went about his business. Yeah, I was, in a, was it the series of events? It was a series oh. of events that he tried He he tried to bully a bully. Mm. That ain't going to work well. That ain't going to work well. I understand you the, you the biggest mule mm-hmm. or you the biggest, you know, the the biggest bull mm-hmm. in, in, in the ring. The, the yeah. I ain't the biggest bull, but I, I believe I can – I can uh I can go with you the can best show your might, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so it just was it wasn't a it wasn't a very good relationship. And so I was like, man, I'm done. I want to be out. I've always wanted to know what it was like on other teams because when you look at our, our game, man, there's some cool teams out there, but there's awesome teams that there's also some teams that suck. Right. Right? And I just wanted to be I was just done. I wasn't done with Cam. I was just done with the process of the individual that was running the team. Mm-hmm. And eventually, everybody has seen now that individual. It was a consistent. It was a consistent. Yeah. How he handled Greg Olson, how he handled Thomas Davis, how he handled D'Angelo, how he handled Josh Norman. So for me, I was just like, man, I've always been like for me, people can people are gonna sit here and say, well, dang, Steve, how can you just abandon our team like that? How can you just turn our back? I love Carolina, but I also knew that the individual who was running the team general mm-hmm. manager, I didn't see eye to eye with him. Yeah. I didn't see eye to eye with my supervisor. Mm-hmm. So I did like most folks who in position that they like, man, I, I don't need this. Yeah. They say, man, you you fired. No, you can't fire me. I quit. <laughs> right? All right? And so that, that's just really what happened. And, and because of the, my makeup, bro, I just was kind of like, man, you know, not even – Bumped the Carolina Panthers. It was just they were in a rearview mirror, and I just did not want to be associated with that individual who was still there. So yeah. a lot, if you notice, when I was a Baltimore Raven, when I was mm-hmm. some of the things, just to let you know how it went down, when I was on an airplane coming to Baltimore because the staff told me, Dave Gettleman had someone on the staff call the Baltimore Ravens who told me that someone in the staff called them and told them, man, Steve's a rotten teammate. Wow. He's not this. He's not that. So they tried to me what I felt that the way I was raised. So you trying to. You trying to undermine my ability to earn money. For yeah, my family. And, you're, and you're trying to shape a narrative that no, isn't no, that isn't it, correct. It, it, I, I'll, I'll simplify it. You basically are telling me that you're gonna come out, you're gonna try to limit how I make money. So mm-hmm. ultimately, who you affecting? Not my, Agent 89. My family. My family. Yeah. So if you're coming after my family, <laughs> I'm a different dude. Yeah. So that's where it became personal. Yeah. So it was bump the entity. Yeah. Bump the entity because he was represented, right? What did they say? Yeah. When you. Work for a company. You represent what? That company. So even going backwards, before I was released, first of all, in February I knew I was released. 
already knew I was. It was just a matter of time. Before I was released, two days before I was released, I put on a collar shirt, put on some slacks, and I went to Mr. Richardson's house. Hmm. And I talked to Mr. Richardson. You know what I told him? What'd you say? I thanked him for what he's done for my f- family financially. Uh, Mr. Richardson did a lot of things for me. He introduced me to some other financial people. Um, Mr. Richardson treated me like family and just kind of like a, um, when my grandfather died, he really was kind of that influence of like get, get, your, get your finances in order. Mm-hmm. Mr. Richardson was always on me about how I conduct myself um, at the house and making sure that I take care of my family financially. Don't be one of these dumb athletes that has all this opportunity and just wastes, wastes on jewelry mm-hmm. or this or that. And I respected him for it, so I went in there and I thanked him for the opportunity. Thank him for allowing me to be able to save money, to be able to allow my kids to play, uh, to not to go to college if they decided to use sports as an opportunity, but they were able to go to any college they wanted to mm-hmm. because their dad would save up money. Mm-hmm. And when I left Mr. Richardson's house, he was crying, and I was teary-eyed wow. as well. And he actually kissed me on the forehead, and he said, uh, he says, hey, um, make sure you don't be a stranger. And I looked at him. I said, "When that dude gone, I'll come back." Wow. I mean, and that was the and that was the and I got in the car and a couple of days later, yeah. um, I was released. I think it's about that time. Just uh, take a little breather. Cut to it. Cut to it. Let's get down to it. Cut to it. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You mentioned a bunch of things. You, you mentioned, Cam, you, you've mentioned yeah. your contract. And just speaking your truth, yeah. what do you feel is the biggest misconception about the end of the time? Uh, I think the misconception is everybody thinks that I, uh, that I have something personally against Cam. What's crazy is Cam was not a part of my release. He never was. Mm-hmm. Actually, I believe Cam was on vacation. Mm-hmm. And just to show you how cool of a dude he is, he wrote me a letter. 
that I received. He texted me. It was like, bro, I just I just got back in the country. I think he was in the Caribbean. And this is when you. This is when I was released. He, you were released, and he's, he's he texted me. He was like, bro, I just got back. What the hell happened? I was like, you know, Dave. So he was out of pocket. He, he was, was straight out of, out of pocket. pocket. Yeah, and he was like, I need your home address. I'm like, all right. So he. Uh, now I know I te- you. Were you in checkout mode, or you were just like when when you received it? Oh, I was definitely in checkout mode. Yeah. I sent him my address. I sent him my address like everybody else sent me some stuff and was like, man, sorry. I was like, yeah, okay. You, you just moved on. I just moved mm-hmm. on. So he sent me an address. I sent him an address and about three days later. So within that week, I got a handwritten letter for Cam. You want know what I did with it? What do you think I did with it? Just what does the media believe I did with it? Um, you ripped it up. Okay. Do it yeah. in trash. That's what they believe. Mm-hmm. Well, I was not in a place to even read it because I was moving on to my new team. Just in a different headspace. I was in a different headspace. I was trying to figure out, I got a pregnant wife. Mm. What do I bring my kids? My son is in this, going into his senior year. It's a, he's lot. Getting, it's a lot to manage for he, anybody. He's getting, uh, he's getting recruited. Where are we going to go? What does this mean? That's a lot you know, for any, that's enough for any family I, on top of everything you know, that's going on in your team, professional what, career. What teams want yeah. me? What teams actually? All of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I put it, I put Cam's letter in a drawer. And what's in that drawer? And that drawer is keepsakes. And that drawer is my grandmother's obituary. Wow. My grandfather's obituary. Uh, one of my coaches, that uh, uh, Robert Taylor, who gave me an opportunity during college, his obituary, um, letters that uh, people of significance in my life uh, have written me or cards that my kids. So are these are me. things that mean something to you. Yes. So I put in that keepsake. It was 2019. I'm in my drawer, and I see the letter. I opened up and read the letter. For what? the first for the first time. For the first time. And then I text him and I screen and I actually took a picture and I said, Bro, I'm just reading your letter. I said, Man, I really appreciate it. And it was actually it was pretty cool. He he wrote some really cool things um that I'm very appreciative of. And I think it was shocked him that I read it what? Uh, 2013, 14, well, five years. <laughs> why didn't you why didn't you read it all those years ago? Because I, I'm one of those guys when I move on, bro, you, I move you, you're on. done. Yeah, I'm done. And it wasn't, but I wasn't done like, man, bump cam. It was, man, I got to move on to my new team. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I was. So you, you read that letter. Yeah, it was a really good letter. I still have it. You read the letter in a 2019. What did that reveal to you about cam at that point? And then at that point in his career, and then to yourself now? What it did is um, people say that I was – I'll read a – I got to read a screenshot. Somebody said um, – they said, there's been some nice moments for the duo, but it seems the problems stem from Smith becoming a little long in the tooth and watching an emerging superstar as Newton take his limelight was probably hard to take. Actually, the day we drafted Cam Newton – we were coming out of a um, a lockout. Mm-hmm. I was actually pretty happy we drafted a quarterback because I played with I, was, some, I played with I'm somebody, sure. some folks before that. <laughs> that year I, before, I Ooh. was like, oh, my that was a God. rough stretch. So I, yes. I wasn't dude changing. His he baby wasn't taking my limelight. Cam already had his limelight. The dude mm-hmm. won a national championship, Heisman mm-hmm. Trophy, Trophy winner. Yep. 
I don't know what limelight he was taking. He he was the guy. <laughs> right. I've always been a receiver. Mm-hmm. All I like to do is play football and be a receiver and block and all that stuff. So it had nothing to do with he was taking my limelight. It was the fact that I wasn't on a very good team mm-hmm. and I was getting older yep. and my time was coming up and I wanted to win. Yeah. I didn't have time to win later. And so that's why I went to Baltimore because one of the reasons I went to Baltimore is because when I sat with the wizard, Ozzie Newsom, he told me, listen, if you can't be yourself, we don't want you here. Right. And basically, I got let go from a team that being yourself wasn't good enough. So he said exactly what I wanted to hear. And that's why I went there. Yeah. And I had a great time. And now I'm still – and it, it was funny. Is I stayed – my family and I still have a house here. We call this home. Mm-hmm. And people still, when they still see me, they go, "Oh, you still here?" Because I'm, I'm, I'm a homebody, man. I don't really yeah, go out. I sit in my, I sit in my house, mind my business, yeah. man, and just I'm a loner. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's what I am. Always been, and I'm trying to get better about it. You, you know? oh, and you definitely are. You know, I, I gotta give you, that. I gotta give you your props. Yeah. Why was this important for you to get this all out, man? Well, to, because, for, for you to have an opportunity to speak your truth. Well, I think because more of anything. I dislike the fact that people are trying to pin pin me against. I mean, personally, at the end of it, man, I hate the black-on-black athlete crime or mm. this guy is wow. jealous of this guy or he hates him because he's taking a shine. I don't know if y'all know, but we all shine together. Absolutely. We all ball. Like, I don't see Patrick Mahomes going over there tripping Lamar Jackson. Mm. Like, at the end of we're, it, we're man, better together, you, you, bro. We were, we when Cam was on, he was on. Mm-hmm. If I was off, we was off. Yeah. If he was off, he was off. So it's a collective. It's a collective. So for me, man, it's just like, bro. I, want, I at the end of it, because of how I operated, whatever narrative that the media had, I gave them that opportunity because of how I acted. Yeah. But ultimately, man, more anything of anything, man. I owe, I owe, Cam more of an apology publicly of like, bro, I don't hate you. I ain't never really, I don't look down on him. Hell, actually, I look up, right? The dude, <laughs> the, the, he's balling. A lot of people thought he wasn't going to be this. I'm shocked how well he's playing so early in a new system, mm-hmm. right? And the people that, oh, that's a shot. Bro, that's not a shot. Not everybody has success. Game one of your new team. Right. Right? It It just so happens to be the New England Patriots. Yes. And I've said it. You never bet against Bill Belichick. Mm -hmm. And also, too, a motivated Cam, because I was his teammate. A motivated Cam is a dangerous Cam. Very dangerous. Right? But a complacent athlete. Is not a dangerous athlete, and I, I I've across been the across the board, across the board, not any saying, sport, yeah, yeah. So for me, it was just you know, if I didn't, I wanted to give an opportunity to really speak my truth on what really happened, and not allow people to write articles based on stuff that one. Some of these articles that's being written about me and Cam, some of these. People have never even been in a locker you room. Even Carolina, you wouldn't even there. You wouldn't even there. not even in the same state. Yeah. And writing articles. And so it's like, I'm not going to give you. I'm, I'm, I haven't said anything, so it allows them to really give them, like, it must be true. The yeah. fact of the matter is, I no longer was a Carolina Panther because me and Dave Gelderman didn't get along. Mm-hmm. I didn't like Dave. Dave didn't like me. 
Dave had the power, I got the check. <laughs> that's how it went. Yeah. I understand the game. Mm. I get it. And that's why I went on to Baltimore. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. That's that's the truth. Yeah. Did this give you closure or is there anything closure. else that uh I, is there anything my, else that you wanted to get out? You wanna know the closure? The closure for me is when that when when I was inducted into the Hall of Hall of Honor for the Carolina Panthers, that was closure mm. for me. Because even with Mr. Tepper and how that went, it was a long process. Mr. Tepper was talking to me, uh, Marty Herney talking to me. When Marty came back, when Tepper, when Dave Gettleman got fired, one of the first calls I got when I was sitting on the beach in Hawaii when I retired, Marty Herney called me. How you feeling? You know I'm going to bring you back. I'm like, well, give me some time. So... You know, still, I even talk to TD. You know, th- there's a few guys I talk to, but I, I just kind of stay in my little, my little weirdo zone. So, well, you know, it's it's not about closure, man. It's just more of knowing what's going on and really what's the truth of the truth, not what some dude that's, that says he knows Rick that told John, mm-hmm. that told Ricky, that yeah. told Dave, that told – man, right. I was – all the flies that want to be on the wall, mm-hmm. there was no flies in there. It was two dudes in there, and we know the truth. Yeah. And that's the truth now. So you know it. And you got your truth out there, man. So, man, much respect. And and it's it's just so refreshing. We, we, we've always said this amongst all these interviews that we've had on Cut To It. It's, it's utilizing the platform and, and putting out your own narrative. And you're controlling that narrative. And I'm just proud for you and of you of speaking your truth, man. Hey, I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't be honest and open on my own podcast. So this is my opportunity. So I hope you enjoyed it. Um, it'd be interesting to see how many uh, people write articles on this one. Um, but, hey, that's where we at. We, we'll listen to a podcast. We write an article. The only fact is now the facts that y'all been missing is you got my facts. Yep. Straight from the horse's mouth. Mr. Ed himself. Wilbur. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to it, we out. Cut to it with Steve Smith Sr., that is me, is a production of Cut to It LLC, Balto Creative Media, The Black Effect, and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From Cut to It, executive producer Steve Smith Sr., co-host Gerard Littlejohn, Talent and Booking Manager, Joe Fushi, Social Media Manager, Peyton Smith, from Balto Creative Media. Cut to it is produced by Brian Baltashevich and Meredith Carter, with production assistance by Alex Lebrecht. Production Manager, Sarah Pollock. Theme music by Alex Johnson. Lyrics and vocals by Anthony Hamilton. Zone. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.